Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Golden Knights. Today, we assess the recent moves by VGK. Is the hot seat getting hotter for Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee? Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick from Las Vegas. You could find us at Lockdown VGK on Twitter, myself at Tony Dasco, and he is at TD. What is it? Chris G. There we go. And uh, so welcome, everyone. Thanks for making us uh, your first listen each and every day. And uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Apologies for the absence last week. Uh, things got a little hairy in my world, and I apologize to Chris and to you, the fans. But we are happy to be back once again. And Chris, the recent BGK moves, they have the fans perplexed. The fan base is not happy. The salary cap constraints, the long-term contracts could be ruining this team, and that is my opinion. Kelly McCrimmon. George McPhee, they are both responsible. I feel even more now that Kelly McCrimmon has to go. I went on record saying that he shouldn't make it through the season. And now I am wondering, starting to wonder if he makes it to opening day. These moves are absolutely atrocious. And they are getting rid of, I believe, a lot of the wrong players. Moreover, they really could be getting a bad rap within the NHL, within the league. This organization, I said it a few weeks ago, I think it's becoming a good organization to turn down. I don't believe free agents want to play for the front office here. And last week, last week, the trade by BGK, the Golden Knights unloading Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coglin to Carolina. Pretty much a salary dump, Chris, as we saw that they had to dump Max Pacioretty's contract and future considerations is all that they got in return. And, you know, I'm watching the presser, right? And Max Pacioretty looks like he's happier than ever. And I think perhaps relieved to get out of Las Vegas. This thing is going downhill in a big time way. And, you know, Pacioretty said he wants to play for Rod Brindamore. He called him the, one of the best coaches in the league and got this at uh, VGK and, the clown, the circus that's going on here, all of that. So, first of all, I just want to get your impression, your opinion on VGK. Again, the Pacioretty, we'll start with that, and Coughlin deal to Carolina for future considerations. My future consideration would be to get rid of Kelly McCrimmon. <laughs> you sound like I did maybe on, like, last Tuesday and Wednesday when all of this went down. Certainly uh, some anger and lack of understanding. And my initial knee-jerk reaction for Pacioretty, my raw reaction was, how was there not a better deal out there than Pacioretty for nothing, plus a defenseman with upside that can score on the power play? Like That was the one thing that didn't necessarily click with me. Now I'm with you on a lot of the things you said about McCrimmon. I don't understand the path. I don't understand ever since the season one comments about uh, the sustainability of uh, the success of that, of that team and going all the way to now, there's been a lot of head scratchers, but I'm going to give McCrimmon credit in a sense that 
I'm sure this was the best deal out there to dump away salary. I mean, there were three candidates we were probably going to trade, right? Um, Carlson, Pacioretty, Alec Martinez. Carlson would have taken a lot more for to get to get rid of his salary. Alec Martinez brings so much value to the defensive side. Maybe you get a little better return, but losing Alec Martinez, I think, would have been borderline catastrophic for our for our for our defensive units. So we focus on Max Pacioretty. I'm sure that this was the best deal out there. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. Uh, with the salary cap not going up a whole lot since COVID started, teams are even more constrained than they were. Had COVID not happened, we'd probably have an additional 3 to $5 million in salary to work with right now, and not just Golden Knights, but everybody. So listen, McCrimmon, yes, there's a lot of questions about everything that has happened. The Pacioretty situation, the Pacioretty trade for nothing, call it what it is, the Pacioretty trade for nothing had to happen, and he got the best deal out there, unfortunately. The best deal out there was Pacioretty and Coglin to take on all of Pacioretty's salary. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Now, going a step deeper, it's not Pacioretty for nothing. It's Pacioretty for the ability to re-sign Riley Smith, which we did, uh, have money available for Nicholas Waugh, Nicholas Haig, Brett Howden, um, and Keegan Colasar. We're going to hit on him later with his arbitration and everything. So if you go a few layers deeper into this, it's not as bad as it sounds. I'm only talking about this trade. I'm not defending McCrimmon's job performance as a whole after season number one. I'm simply saying in this situation, once you sit back and process it and look at, you know, other things that have happened around the league, I think it had to happen this way. One more point I'll hit on. Let's go back to obviously the last famous trade for nothing we did was Marc-Andre Fleury to the Blackhawks. Folks, leverage is a beautiful and manipulative tool all in one. The entire NHL knew we had to get unload Max Patch ready because the Riley Smith signing uh, extension was intimate. We Everyone knew that was coming. So why would anyone in the league pay anything more than what Carolina did? It's the same thing that happened with Marc-Andre Fleury. The whole league knew we wanted to move on from him. Chicago raises their hand and says, sure, we'll, we'll take a flyer on him. It doesn't, the Blackhawks season doesn't work out. So what do they do? They flip him for a third round pick. So that's just an example of leverage, folks. Vegas had no leverage in this situation. McCrimmon had to play the hand that he dealt himself. I'll say it like that. McCrimmon played the hand he dealt himself. And sometimes, uh, you know, you got you to gotta fold to move forward, I guess. Okay, so Pacioretty played four out of the five VGK seasons. Prior to that, he spent the first 10 years in Montreal. In 2019, Pacioretty was traded to Las Vegas for Nick Suzuki and Thomas Tatar. And, you know, the thing that just always kills me is VGK saying they have zero salary cap issues. But lo and behold, they have to dump Pacioretty's salary, defenseman Dylan Cogman too. In 39 games this past season, an injured Pacioretty Scored 37 points. I think they're going to miss him a lot. How about these numbers for Pacioretty? 97 goals and 97 assists while he was here in Las Vegas. And, you know, they just said that uh, in Carolina, I think they appreciate him calling him an elite scorer. Yes, his salary, $7 million a season. We understand that. I get all of that. But they are getting absolutely nothing in return. And I really do believe, right, Chris, that this has to hurt the long-term health of this franchise and then you know okay let's address this so who takes Pacioretty's spot on that top line currently um of course Brendan Brisson maybe they saw some good things in development camp 
early on, or they like his progression, and he will be a starter there. We've talked about Jonathan Marcheseau, perhaps, joining that top line now. And one other point, one other point. The only player that I felt when he was healthy was Pacioretty that could play with Jack Eichel. He was the only player I felt that was in sync with Eichel. So now what happens from there? So a few things. One, we have a new coach. We have a new system. We have a new outlook. I don't necessarily think in his mind uh, the misfits line is a thing. I think he's going to, you know, take uh, make a top six that's going to give us the best shot to score goals. And then a bottom six, who's going to give us the best opportunity to be physical on the puck and play solid defense. So players are going to move around. The top six is going to move around. Braswan obviously is the target, I think, and the biggest uh, question mark we have coming out of our camp, which will be coming up uh, end of August and into September, to really see what he's going to offer uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, McCrimmon even made the comment, McCrimmon didn't give him a vote of confidence yet. He basically said, we'll see if he can develop into an NHL player. It's a fair statement. I know that statement even bothered people. Anything McCrimmon does bothers people right now. Um, moving forward from that, yeah, Matt Pacioretty certainly can skate with Jack Eichel. There's no doubt about that. A great finisher. Um, but sure, March or so, Riley Smith, just first two names that obviously can come to mind that can possibly play on that line. Uh, someone like Nicholas Waugh, who does have a nose for the net and gets himself in the right place. I- I've said this, you don't necessarily need a $10 million center and a $7 million winger on the same line. Patch already could play with someone else where they necessarily don't create as much space where patch ready is the one creating that space and those scoring opportunities. That's what Eichel's going to do. We don't need someone who is a lethal finisher to compliment Jack Eichel. We need someone who can get to the right place, get to those dirty spots because Eichel's going to find you. I've said this so many times on previous shows, Eichel's going to take the puck. He's going to skate behind the net, go past back to the blue line. He's going to go around again trying to find someone, and he's going to put the puck in a positive situation and create a scoring chance. Yes, Patch Reddy excels in that world, whether it's his uh, wrist shot from uh, the circle or just simply being in the right place at the right time. Nicholas Waugh, I'm looking at you right now. I think someone like Nicholas Waugh could possibly come into that spot to be the finisher. Obviously, we know Jonathan Marcheseau is more than capable of a role like that. Uh, Braswan, I mean, that would be that would be very interesting if he can be the one. You know, I mean, what if our top line coming out of camp is Eichel, Wah, Braswan, and then you have the Misfits line, or you have Chandler Stevenson uh, between Riley Smith and Marcheseau so, and William Carlson on line three? I mean, it's not that bad, folks. You know, I know there's a lot of uh, upset people right now, and I saw Patch already the day before the trade at Lifeguard Arena, his kids playing a, a hockey tournament over there. I saw him carrying a bunch of equipment coming down from the, the Silver Knights like offices side and stuff like that at Lifeguard. Was he packing already? Uh-huh. I, he he might have been, honest to God. I, he, hmm. Honest to God, that's what it might have been now that I think back. And then I he actually on Thursday, we were up at City National for a developmental camp. On the other sheet of ice is Max Pacioretty in the stands watching his kid play after the trade. So, you know, that, again, folks, there's a human element to this, you know, and I know is, you know, people who like to talk about uh, sports and, you know, the, the 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 tens of listeners right now that like to listen to us uh, talk about sports. We also we always uh, kind of forget that there's more to this than just what happens on the ice. So, you know, I certainly feel for Max and his family. He was a good pillar of the community, always a great uh Supporter, you saw him at all the camps and stuff like that. You saw him at um, just at, just 
everywhere being very positive and he's going to be missed. And I certainly hope he can uh, hit the ground running in Carolina and for lack of a better term, come back to Vegas, I think in the spring and stick it to us. Okay. So a lot of teams, especially in the Pacific division, improved themselves in the off season. And I don't think that VGK made a lot of moves to improve themselves. They really believe that this foundational piece will get them to the Stanley cup. And I do not agree. And come hell or high water, the Golden Knights are just going to keep that second line. And and more than anything else, you know, that misfit line, they want to keep that line in order with Smith and Marcia. So and Carlson on that line. And to me, it's just not making sense. Sooner or later, Marcia, of course, is not going to have a type of season where he scores 30 goals. Riley Smith coming back off of an injury. What will he be like when he steps back on the ice? And then there's William Carlson, and I just don't know. He doesn't seem like he's a Cassidy type of a player. And for future considerations, I would give up Carlson in a in a heartbeat. Absolutely. I think he's on the downward slide. I think they locked him in off of one season for way too long with this uh, with this organization. Listen, Carlson got paid after his 40-plus goal season, and good for him. I mean, good for him. Uh, it worked out, obviously, in his pocketbook. Um, no one's going to take Carlson for future considerations at 100% salary dump. And I'd have to think that avenue was explored. And listen, if we couldn't get anything besides having to add a complimentary player to the patch ready deal – there was nothing out there for William Carlson. I, I will. I feel very comfortable in making that claim. There was nothing out there for William Carlson, unless we had to throw in Logan Thompson as part of the deal. Sorry, had to get that in there. LT, if I Poor see Logan. you tonight, I'm going to have you sign a sign a, a donkey <clears throat> picture or something like that. But moving forward from that, uh, you mentioned keeping the misfit line together. The misfit line, I think, is a thing of the past, Tony. I think beyond it being in our hearts and our minds as an important historical piece of VGK history, I think the I think the misfit line is a thing of the past. We saw William Carlson when when VGK was somewhat healthy, if you will, last season. We saw William Carlson down on line three most of the time, and Chandler Stevenson bouncing around the top of the other top four healthy forwards around him and Chandler Stevenson's output has him in that spot. And he's going to be in our top six, hopefully our line two center because the experiments putting him back on the wing didn't necessarily uh, yield as good of an output as when he was the center. William Carlson can play defense. You know, he, he, despite what you're going to say, Carlson still is an, an okay call him a 200 200 foot foot player. player. Don't call him a 200 foot player. Okay, he's, fine. He's, cause he's that's a, all that people he's say. A 100 foot I think player. that's a thing. Uh, he's about a 50 foot player right now. Okay, fine. He's a good defender. Okay. Nobody marks him. No one marks him and he still misses the net by a country mile. He's better on the defensive side of ice, I think is something we will both somewhat agree on here. <laughs> so being on line three and being on the power kill line one with uh, Riley Smith, Carlson can still have an okay season. He's not going to live up to his contract, I don't think, unless he can find a way to put up you know, 25 goals plus at this point while having a role, a, a dominant role, if you will, on the, on the PK unit. And I really hope Cassidy looks at someone like Carlson and, as a project because we need Carlson to live up to his contract a lot more than he has. And, you know, you, you got kind of like a money ball thing going right now. You know, they're sitting, they're trying to figure out a way to replace patch output. You're not going to find another patch ready. We can't do that right now. 
finding another max patch ready is impossible because of our salary cap constraints. So now they have to recreate his outputs based on our usable tools. And then I know there are some other small re-signings and stuff like, or small contracts that were signed, you know, some AHL players, and maybe we scratch a lottery ticket and get lucky with one of the players we signed over the weekend. But you really hope that we can make up that 25 or 30 or 35 or goals coming from William Carlson, coming from Braswan, coming from Nicholas Waugh. Maybe he can have a 20 goal season, stuff like that. That's where we need to recreate Max Patch already from. Okay. I just feel that these moves are par for the VGK course and uh, we'll have to see what happens in the future. Par for the course is fair. Yeah. Par for yeah. The course and, is and, fair. And, and sooner or later, it's going to catch up to Kelly McCrimmon and to George McPhee because they've just done a horrible job in managing the salary gap. They've just done, it's just been horrific, I think. And that this is causing this organization to go a little bit sideways. And I just think that they need an infusion of some new talent on this team. And we'll continue our conversations, of course, on Lockdown VGK. And coming up tomorrow, we might add that uh, we're going to be uh, talking with Lockdown Carolina Hurricanes to see what the future holds for Max Pacioretty as VGK might have just absolutely gotten fleeced in this one. Stay with us. Uh, coming up next, Matthias Yanmark signs with rival Edmonton. And that's the same division that VGK plays in. Uh, but the amount of money they're paying him, I felt that VGK could have kept Yanmark. We'll talk more about that when we return right here on Lockdown Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs, for all your sports betting information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including next year's NHL futures, Major League Baseball, though right now we're at the All-Star break. BetOnline, your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, your podcast, and news this season. BetOnline.net. The fastest and easiest way to check in on your favorite sports and events, including MMA, you've got boxing, you've got golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. And which NFL stars are going to be moving the betting line the most? Starting July the 18th, a lockdown VGK, a lockdown, I should say, the network gives you the most 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. It's available July the 18th, which is today, wherever you get your podcast and also on YouTube. And uh, welcome back. And Chris, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit in this segment about Matthias Yanmark. Signs with Edmonton for just one and a half million dollars. And is this a player that VGK realistically could have kept on the roster? Realistically, I mean, listen, $1.5 million doesn't seem like a whole lot of money right now. And it's hard to, you know, get into the mindset of exactly what McCrimmon and McPhee are thinking right now. But if he's someone they could have held on to, I think they would have, if they felt there was a path. Um, Yanmark certainly had his glory moment uh, uh, two seasons ago now, a uh, season, or excuse me, uh, round one game seven with that hat trick to uh, get us past the Minnesota wild in round number one, looking at his output. I mean, 
going back, he's never been a 20 goal scorer. Let's go ahead and start there. Uh, with Vegas last year, he's nine and 16, nine goals, 16 assists, um, plus three. But the Blackhawks, he's a minus 17 in 2021, but that's the Blackhawks, uh, 19, 19 points, 41 games played. I mean, $1.5 million, I think you can look elsewhere. You know what you're getting with the end mark. You know he's a player that can move around the lineup. He's tough and physical, but if he needs to be on the top six in a sporadic basis, he can. Let's look at cap friendly right now. And this is always a mystery to me because I've seen reporters claiming we have up to three or $4 million available. I saw someone even say we have like eight or $9 million available. Cap friendly has us at negative 1.3 right now. I'm sure there's LTIR implications that might play in as the season gets closer. Players going up and down two-way contracts. So I don't know how liquid of a number this is right now, but Point being, we can agree VGK is right up against it right now. So can you, does VGK have $1.5 million to take a chance with is probably the better question to ask ourselves. And the answer is no, not from a TSEN mark. I would much rather see if a Ron Bjerg, a LeCision, a Paul Cotter, a, pa- a Pavel Dorofiev, or Swan, I'd rather see if one of these players can develop into an equal or greater utilizable asset for the VGK. We know what Yanmark is. He's going to get us somewhere between eight and 12 goals. He's going to get that many assists and he's going to chew up minutes, which is good, but his upside is certainly limited. So let's eliminate his roster position and go with open that up for someone who might develop and be stronger, if you will, in the long term. BGK does not have just a million dollars laying around where they can just say, okay, Yanmark, come on back. We know what we're getting with you. That's not the spot that we're in, folks. Um, we're in a very tough salary cap constraint world where um, salary cap problems do exist and they will exist. So Yanmark had to go. It's unfortunate we liked him, but he's just a guy that's going to get 10 goals or eight goals or 12 goals. You don't know when they're going to come, if they're going to be at important times or not. So let's give a give a shot to someone else who is a little more on the up and coming side and who might get 15 or 18 goals or even the same amount of goals, but at like a seven or eight hundred thousand dollar cap hit versus one point five. Yeah. And at one point five, you know, that's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. I you and I both said, you know, and when we did, should he stay or should he go? That whole segment, we both agree that Yanmark would be gone. Pacioretty was definitely on the fence because of his expiring contract coming up, I believe, at the end of next season. Um, Coughlin was a little bit of a surprise that they threw him into the deal. But for 1.5, now I'm starting to rethink this. And, you know, again, it was about continuity and chemistry and all those things where I didn't feel that, you know, they should have let go of a player for just a million and a half that, you know, has been part of his team, although a lot will change with the system, what have you. Um, what did you learn from developmental camp this past week? Um, as far as did you get a chance to see anything new with the system? And when I ask you, you know, who stood out? Don't tell me that a guy could skate backwards. I don't care much about that. Huh. But did any did any player, you know, make quite an impact that we might be seeing this uh, this player uh, making an impact with VGK in the future? 
So my very first gut instinct, uh, we got there about five minutes before all the players just kind of started hitting the ice. And the very first drill, and keep in mind, I, I, I pound the drum that I ref beer league hockey out here, folks. And actually, just a huge shout out. We had uh, the Kings and Queens of Vegas uh, hockey tournament here last week at Lifeguard. And I believe they're also at City National. Oh, my goodness. Some of the best players I've ever refed uh, in that 10 to 12 to 14 year old area. Um, some amazing teams from Minnesota, all over Canada. Um, the 14 and under triple A girls division was absolutely stellar. That was amazing hockey. Some of the best hockey notice. I'm not saying the best girls hockey, some of the best hockey that I have personally officiated, just so much fun to be out there. The players were, were awesome. So you said developmental camp and stuff, and that kind of got me going here. But the very first thing that I noticed was the speed. Um, I haven't sat that close for a practice in a long time. And the very first drill just it's a cross-ice drill, pass goes um, circle to circle, they go across, execute a two-on-one, but then one of the players coming out has to spin and go back and play defense. Just absolutely awesome to watch all of it. Um, as far as players that stood out, um, Morozov obviously seems ready, Korzak looked good out there. Uh, there was one defenseman, I'm, I'm going through the roster right now, I can't, uh, Luke Chris, I like watching Luke Chris, I thought he was uh, hitting everything, Justin Lies I enjoyed watching. Um, it's hard to tell like which one of these players really seems like they're ready. Um, Seville obviously looked good at goaltender. Um, uh, Lindbaum also, I think, got a lot of positive attention. Uh, shout out to my buddy, uh, Matt Brown, Mike Brown. I say buddy. He was someone I refereed with on Thursday for that tournament. He actually got to be a linesman for the VGK scrimmage on Friday which I thought was pretty, pretty awesome for him. Oh. I was selfishly uh, hoping I was going to get the call for the Saturday scrimmage, but sadly uh, I was passed over. There was probably 47 other officials more qualified, but I was hoping they all had stuff to do or uh, maybe were feeling a little sick and I was going to get the call, but I didn't. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. That would have been really <laughs> cool. We'd have to hook up a GoPro to you, you know, too, so that we could get some some instant responses. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been, been awesome. Great. It would have been. How come you're not in position for that one, dummy? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but no, that's uh, it's really cool that you were able to make it out there. And then uh, was Bruce Cassidy there? He was sitting right behind us. So yeah. we were sitting uh, just on the other side of the red line from when you walk across the seats. And we saw an area that just said reserved and stuff behind us. We didn't really think a whole lot of it. I was chatting with a with a couple of my buddies behind me. And then I look over and Cassidy is literally sitting right there. So um, when the, when the first session was ending, I, I kind of peeked back and just said, Hey, is anyone else coming out? And you know, we, we exchanged pleasantries for a second. He gave my kid a quick autograph, but yeah, Cassidy was up there with his assistant. You saw Ryan Craig up there. Um, Manny Viveros, uh, uh, the, the Silver Knights coach, he was the one kind of running things along with um, a couple of the other Henderson assistants as well. So I thought that was kind of cool. And, you know, it was, um, it's, it's a new guard. It, it's interesting seeing, uh, seeing Cassidy and no more DeBoer, obviously uh, memories of Gallant as well. And, you know, things are changing. The mood is different. And, you know, I'm hoping all this concern and worry we have now gets uh, relaxed once the puck drops in uh, hopefully a few short months. And, and could you detect any changes in the system or is no. it just too soon? Too, it, it's so in just these developmental camps, right? there, there's yep. no system. It's right. It's who's ready now, who's ready for the future. Um, gosh, I forgot who it was, but it was it was on Friday. It was a not necessarily a breakaway goal, but I forgot who I gotta go back and look at this. But players coming in absolutely full speed to the nets, 
defenseman is coming from the side who just wants to wipe him out. The forward just hits the brakes, 360, cuts backwards and puts one top shelf over the post. I gotta find a I gotta find out who scored that. That was an absolutely remarkable goal. Um, the type of goal where if it happens during the NHL regular season, it's like a top 20 or top, top even 10 goal in the entire season. It was that good of a goal to watch. So, but yeah, to answer your question now, it's too early to tell the system. They're just doing drills to see where these kids are at, who might be able to hang out in the AHL, who possibly could be NHL ready. Um, or obviously if they're going back to juniors and things like that, but, um, yeah, there's you'll 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 get a taste of that. I think in late August or September, once Cassidy's camp officially starts. Coming up next, Vegas Golden Knights free agent forward Keegan Kolasar has elected for salary arbitration. We'll talk about that when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas, and thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And our podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, Keegan Colasar, one of six restricted free agents for VGK. And now his decision calls for a meeting between himself and the organization, along with a third-party arbiter. And that takes place uh, sometime between July 27th and August 11th. And uh, this is a player that you believe in. I know that. And uh, do you think that they have the opportunity to, to keep him if they can't come to a decision. And then we see Colasar becoming an unrestricted free agent. Sorry about that. I had my mic muted there for a moment. So when, when uh, arbitration happens, basically it's kind of like, uh, in my opinion, buying and selling a house. You are looking for comparables out there and what their contract is and where the player filing for arbitration fits in. So the player that I landed on, remember Keegan Colasar, top 10 in hits, top four in scoring amongst those in, in that category. Uh, Keegan Colasar had 24 points last season. Um, 24 seven, points. 17. What's that? Seven and 17. Yeah, seven and 17. So 24 points. So I did the same search I did to find that stat. And I landed on Garnet Hathaway. Uh, Garnet Hathaway is currently on the Capitals. Uh, in 2020, 21, 18 points in the shortened season. 21, 22, 76 games played, 26 points. So basically, that is a pretty close comparable as far as Keegan Colasar goes. Hathaway is a few years older. Um, Colasar is 25 or 26, where Hathaway is hitting up on 30 right now. So the, I don't know how that plays into things, but Hathaway's cap hit is 1.5, his AVV is 1.2. So I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but I got to think that is the number that the arbitrator might look at. That is what VGK is going to look at. And probably that's what Keegan Colasar is looking at. Keegan Colasar isn't going in there demanding to get, you know, $2 million a year or anything like that. He knows his role and knows uh, his outputs. Is he worth 1.2 or 1.3? I think that's probably a fair number. And I mean, listen, if the choice is Keegan Colasar or Matthias Yanmark, you know, I think I'm actually going Colasar. I think Colasar's role is better defined. Um, he's an energy player that had the same output as, as Yanmark, even though the skill isn't necessarily the same. But Colasar found a way to get there. And if Colasar can, you know, just finish a few more. I mean, when you just watch Colasar's game, right, he is always around the nets. 
he has a lot of prime scoring chances. If he can develop that part of his game just a little bit more, you know, someone like Colasar can have a 30, 32, 33 point season coming from the third and fourth line. That's pretty good output for someone who's also hitting everything that moves as he is uh, 10th overall in the league in hits. So, yeah, we like Colasar. I think he settles in the 1 to 1.3 area. And if the choice came down to hold on to Yanmark, not keep Colasar, I think the right choice was made uh, in letting Yanmark go so we can figure out a deal to keep Colasar. And I think that uh, Colasar, personally, you know, has some upside. I have to agree with you there. And I felt that he improved, you know, over the course of the past season. Uh, and we'll have to see. So does he go from 725000 to uh, perhaps uh, that over $1 million mark? And I think this will be the third time that VGK has been faced with salary uh, arbitration. I think Nate Schmidt, but the most popular one was William Carlson, right? Back in the early days of VGK, where he made that quantum leap and salary and I, I want to say that they settled the uh, arbitration case, uh, case before, you know, it went to the arbiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's what happened. So pretty interesting because this is something that does not happen uh, frequently with this organization. VGK uh, was scared he might have made more. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm really, really concerned, you know, about uh, about this case because what if he does that? I think the ceiling, right, you have to believe, too. One and a half million. That's the money that they really do have to play with now. Uh, now that uh, they cleared Yanmark and perhaps they just replace him with a Colasar uh, contract with, you know, that would be doubling his, his, his salary, which wouldn't be so bad. No. And like I said, I'm okay with that. Again, Colasar has upside, not just in the stats department, but in his overall game right now. And I alluded to his, if he can improve his ability to finish, he can certainly, I mean, he, if he has notches, you know, goes from 24 or 25 to 32 points or something like that. That's a huge upside. That's a definitely a big swing because if he's getting more points, hopefully his defensive side is improving. Hopefully he's still hitting everything that moves. And I like the upside if we're simply going to compare uh, Colasar to Yanmark. I really do. And, you know, again, for the fans, because, again, this will just be the third time, uh, I think I have to believe because those are the only ones that I remember. But uh, I think it's the third time that they've had an arbitration case uh, with the VGK and how that all works. And pretty much, you know, that these restricted free agents, they have a chance to file for arbitration if they can't come to terms with the team on an agreement. And so that's exactly probably what happened. Uh, it could become intense at times. I mean, because. Uh, the team doesn't want to give in, you know, so much as the player wants, you know, or believes that their value is is, is greater. And so, again, uh, between July 27th and August the 11th, and then they have that third party, um, the arbitrator or the arbiter, call them the arbiter, whatever it might be. Uh, and we'll see, if you know, how that is determined. Exactly. And I don't think the Colasar situation is necessarily that intense. I can see that I could see uh, the situation with um, with William Carlson. I could see that was interesting because how do you how do you compare things? And I, I really wonder if that would have gone to arbitration, which way that would have gone. Would the Regency bias have outweighed his historical outputs? And he gets, you know, the arbitrator says, hey, six point one, lock it up. 
that would have been interesting. Or would the arbitrator have said, hey, you did this once? Like there's other, I'm sure there's all sorts of ways that they measure this stuff. I'm very, very lightly paraphrasing my lack of knowledge on the subject. Um, but I, I got to think VGK was scared that Carlson was going to make more or they wanted to just go for the long-term deal, right? I think arbitration, isn't it only a one-year, isn't it only a bridge gap when that happens, a bridge deal? Yeah, it, it's a one-year deal. And, and according to what I just had researched with William Carlson, um, he settled for a little over five, I think it was 5.25 million, right? In that vicinity, settled after he goes from six goals to 43 goals. And then they sign him the next year to an eight-year extension. Absolutely makes no sense with this organization. And so, yeah, that's what happens. It's, it, it's sort of a, a bridge gap sort of a contract. And that's what they're going to do. They'll try to get I'm just curious, you know, what Colasar is asking for and what the team, the team probably came back. Okay. You made uh 725,000 or over 700,000. Uh, does the team come back and go, okay, we'll pay you 800. And you know, then that's, then you have to go to arbitration, right? Yeah. Or, or exactly. And I think both... he should be over a million. If he's going to be uh, one of your regulars, one of your uh, top players on the, on the fourth line. Yeah. No doubt. And I think um, I, I think he probably came in saying, hey, you know, one point five, you know, and they based that off of a couple of things. VGK probably said nine fifty or something like that. And I'll bet I, I'm I'll, I'll book the settlement, the, whatever the AVV is. I'll book one point one five. That's going to be the contract. One point one five. Lock it up. OK. And tonight we're going to go out to the battle for Vegas. So yes. that is the annual charity softball game. And I think it will be great to have fans in the stands get there early. Uh, we do have the uh, the softball uh, home run derby, which is very exciting. Um, a little bit, I don't want to let too much out, but there might be a flyover, you know, in the sky. So get out there early. It's really oh, awesome. something else. Yeah. We might see a parachuter, you know, jump in or two. <laughs> we might see that. I'm just, I shouldn't let too much go there, but. If you're listening to the podcast, then we have to give them some sort of a bonus, right? And, uh, if they, and if, well, if they made it through uh, 42 minutes and they're still going, we definitely appreciate that. And my son had the quote of the morning because my daughter was kind of on the fence if she wanted to go or not. My son, Christopher, looks at Allie, says, Allie, we have hockey players playing against football players, both playing a sport. They have no idea what to do. <laughs> but they that did. was the quote of the night. So the Gallup family <laughs> is excited. I think we sold my daughter on coming, which means uh, my wife Amanda's coming and it's going to be a party. And I know there's a few people I owe some beers to when I find you all out there. All right. And I did have to hook up Ryan Reeves with a 7-5 Brewing Company beer that goes right into the dugout. And then you'll see him out, out there. Uh, he'll be playing out in left field and you'll see him with his beer can. Oh yeah. Nate Schmidt is coming back. It's always a good time though. And it is a lot of fun. If you don't have tickets, get them for tonight's big charitable event. And then, uh, it's going on and, uh, what is it? 630. I don't even know. 630 home run derby, 730 game, 730 game. And it's not that long of a game and it's definitely worthwhile because all of the money that is raised goes to local charities to help children in our community chris until tomorrow man this has been a lot of fun uh on tomorrow's show as we mentioned we're going to be catching up with our friends from uh locked on carolina hurricanes and we'll talk about max patcheretti how he fits in and what they feel uh what the impression has been 
with the fans and the media and what have you in Carolina after they get uh, Max Patch ready uh, to play there. Uh, thanks again to, to, uh, for everyone tuning in to today's podcast. We appreciate that. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And again, Lockdown VGK, free and available wherever you get your podcast. For my man, Chris Golick, we'll see you tonight, Chris. I'm Tony Cardasco. We'll be back again tomorrow right here on Lockdown Golden Knights. Take care.